episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand from the Star Tribune. Thank you guys for waving. Here in TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Vikings are preparing to go 6-0 in their last six games against the Denver Broncos, the hottest team in the NFL, with one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL, Josh Dobbs. Six for Scott Stapp. Six for Scott Stapp, that's right. That That's going to be their mantra here in the uh, locker room. <laughs> More wins for Creed. Um, big news this week, though, that Jordan Hicks is on injured reserve, will miss at least four weeks after developing compartment syndrome in his leg and undergoing emergency surgery. He's okay. He's out of the hospital. But Anthony Barr is back, and the Vikings have a sudden need at linebacker. So this defense that is rolling and is a big reason they are 5-0 and in their last five games, uh, Ben, they suddenly have a hole in the middle. Yeah, they do. And I think it's – I mean, Brian Flores said it yesterday, but I think it's a fairly large loss for this defense given – Number one, how Jordan Hicks had played, I think had had been a big part of what they're doing. Both as a pass rusher, certainly made some plays involved in turnovers. That you know, NFC Defensive Player of the Week and that win in Chicago that started this whole run. I mean, it, it was Scott Stapp first pretty, that yeah, started the run, yeah. but then Jordan Hicks had a part in also. it. Uh, yeah, he was like a bit player. But if there was like a marquee. It'd be like yeah, Creed and then Jordan Hicks. Yes, and then correct puppet show. Yep, exactly. But he has been though he has not been as big of a part of this thing as creed has been he's been fairly instrumental in the run because of the way he's played and what he means to the defense he is pretty integral to getting calls in getting front set and then they check a lot i mean you you see it a lot on sundays but a lot of the reason this defense works is they can be aggressive and then change things pretty much on the fly based on what the they're seeing at the line of scrimmage i mean it's you know, Brian Flores talks about wanting to hold the pen last, and Jordan Hicks is a big part of the reason they're able to do that because of his ability to diagnose things and make changes. With him not there, Ivan Pace takes on a bigger role doing that. He'll he'll have the green dot, as they say, the guy that's getting the calls from the sideline and relaying them in the huddle, in part because he's in the middle of the defense. You'll have Harrison Smith, Josh Mattel is probably involved in some of those things as well. Maybe Harrison Phillips setting the front, but I think it's a big loss, and I think that's a big part of the reason Anthony Barr is here. It wasn't just let's go get you know, somebody that can kind of fill the spot. It's let's get somebody that has played that role before. Barr was the green dot guy in their old system under Mike Zimmer, and he's played a lot of football. So I, I think the, the seriousness of it is part of the reason Barr is here. Barr hasn't played all year, though. No, he has not. Presumably, you know, it sounded like and we talked to him – Wednesday sounds like he was kind of a kind of waiting for the right situation but b like you know he played last year for Dallas right but he he didn't have you know obviously didn't have a situation he wanted he's 31 doesn't seem like athletically he's like there's nothing left in the tank he's still you know he's a very gifted athlete 31 is not way past your prime at, at linebacker but like I think even Brian Flores said yesterday he looks the part and like how many times have we heard that about Anthony Barr over the years given that like it kind of seems like he's here to play <laughs> I think so. Um, I just it doesn't seem like the type of signing you'd make if you just need a guy. I mean, I I think there's a reason for that. I you know the double A gap blitz stuff. We see them do some of that. Not obviously as much of a signature for this defense as it was for Mike Zimmer, but they use it. And there's certainly film of him doing that for this team with pretty good results. And I think that's part of what he's doing here and and, you know the compartment syndrome thing we don't have like the full prognosis on how long jordan hicks will be out but 
I've said it a couple times this week. I coached a kid at Apple Valley like 10 years ago that had it and to the point where he had to go have fairly major surgery. It was like a six or seven month rehab in his case. I don't know if that's the case here. I don't know if it's anything near that long, but the surgery is fairly involved. And again, maybe it was preemptive enough in this case. It wasn't quite to that degree, but the swelling basically can block blood flow from getting to your feet and the lower parts of your legs. So it can be a pretty serious thing, which is why they reacted as quickly as they did. I would not bet that, well, put it this way. I wasn't surprised yesterday to see it go from, well, he's only going to be out a week to, hey, we're putting him in it putting him on injured reserve because I think it's a longer term thing just given the nature of that when you mention that term compartment syndrome that's a fairly serious thing and so I think that is a reflection of why they moved him to IR as quickly as they did Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan the passion the hope the anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Yeah, we, we talked to Brian Flores yesterday, and he had mentioned that Barr's a guy that we can envision him doing a lot of things we like to do in this defense. Um, he's play outside, linebacker inside, up at the line, and um, his experience is some is such where you, they anticipate him being able to pick up the, the defense pretty quickly. It's just a matter of physically what can he do. And as you mentioned, he hasn't played since January 22nd last year, Cowboys playoff loss. He did start, I believe, 10 of 14 games for them last year, had 50 tackles, wasn't much of a difference maker for them statistically. He's 31, and he had kind of – you know, uh, questionable knees when he was yeah, here. A lot of knee issues over the years. Two years ago. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, throughout his whole career, that was an issue. So I do wonder if this is going to be a situation where he's up for depth early and then eventually with the eye of if we lose another guy or if he if he shows us physically he can do this, he can be a guy who can actually step in with a part-time role. Um, I would be shocked if he comes off the couch, as he literally just talked about yeah. coming off the couch and plays on Sunday. He, Yeah, he said he's been home watching football. He said, I see why y'all like it yeah. so much, watching football on the couch. <laughs> Anthony, we watch from the press box. Thank you very much. Not the couch. There are no couches in the press box. Interesting. You said he's watching the, Vi- he the Vikings like every week. I wonder yeah. if this is like he's got red zone. He's just like, you know, or a ticket and he's just like bouncing around to games. Or if he's like got this affinity here and he's like, hey, these are still my guys. Like I want to watch. If I'm going to watch anybody, I'm going to watch the Vikings because I guess it could be them and the Chargers. Watch yeah. Eric Hendricks. Yeah, there's that. So it's, it is, it's interesting. It's an interesting signing. I mean, I asked this like somewhat, you know, in jest, but like is the, the Hicks, the Hicks injury it doesn't feel as big as like Kirk Cousins, but like you could like ask that question because he's kind of like the Kirk Cousins of the defense in terms of how he is responsible for stuff at the line of scrimmage, like you talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some parallel there. I think the difference is that you have other guys that can play that role yeah. probably a little bit, whereas a quarterback, you obviously don't. I mean, a quarterback can only really be one person, it's a fairly singular job and it can only be done by one person. Um, the, the helmet thing and I think it's always a question, do we make too big a deal out of who's got the green dot? Um, But they seem to think it's a big deal, obviously, having that person in the middle of the defense that, like we said, because there are so many checks in this defense, 
I think they put a lot of weight on who that person is and what do they bring to that role. Uh, and, and to add to that, it's, it's the location of it, right? Yes. It's because he's in the middle. Yep. And, and um, I remember talking to Durante Jones this summer when he talked about with Josh Metellus and Byron Murphy coming in to play the slot, how those guys who communicate in between the middle have to communicate then with the outside corners, the front defenders, the safeties behind them. Um, and then that flows through them. If, if Cam Bynum has a check that he delivers to, to Jordan Hicks, he needs to make sure that if that involves Harrison Phillips or Jonathan Bullard, that needs to get to them. So with Ivan Pace, a guy who's already kind of swimming in his own head, probably thinking, what am I doing here in the NFL You know, on a, any given play? It's a lot to put on him. And I do think that with a veteran, it was just a lot easier. And Flores talked yesterday about how I need to talk to Ivan more and kind of guide him a little bit more and be heavy-handed in a way that with Jordan, I could leave a lot unspoken. And I think like with O'Connell, like O'Connell and Josh Dobbs. Yeah, with those guys, it is very similar in the sense that I wouldn't be shocked if Flores is in his helmet a lot more often with Pace saying, hey, tell this person to do this or this person to do that before that cutoff. And Flores talked about it. it's a very unpleasant sound in your in your ear when you get cut off. Apparently, it's like a, a it's not like a dial tone. It's like a buzzing that just like, eh, it like that's buzzes. annoying. Yeah, he said it's not. He said it's a very unpleasant sound <laughs> when it cuts off. Well, and I, I don't know. Does why. it only buzz at you when you're talking or does it just I, buzz every single play? I didn't get a lot of follow ups on that. that but sounds awful. It, he said it's not a pleasant sound. Why doesn't it just go silent at 15 seconds? Like, what's the need for the buzz? To maybe let them know that you're that they can't hear you. That because maybe you think you're giving instruction where they're not actually receiving it anymore. And I suppose I, too, if it. you're an offensive play caller on the road, you need something you may be able to hear over the crowd noise rather than just it going silent. I yeah. I guess, but and maybe yeah, he was just over exaggerating. He made it sound like it was a pretty bad sound, like it was just like a buzzer or something, like a shot clock. I don't know, <laughs> but either way, the point is this is a meaningful absence for them. Not just in how Hicks was actually, if you look at the stats, he was their best run defender. Um, in their front in terms of stops, missed tackle rates, all that kind of stuff. So he was playing well on top of being the communicator and all that kind of stuff. So I think this will be pretty uh, uh, big for them, considering too, Ben, that this run defense they've got is, I think, tied for fourth in the NFL now. Yeah, I mean, the only time we've really seen them get run on this year, at least for the full game, is that Eagles game. I mean, there were some moments, I think, last week early at least where the, i think the saints had 100 percent success rate on the run in the first quarter so they had some things going for a while but the vikings eventually got that figured out i mean really the only time that a team has kind of exerted its will on the vikings defense is that eagles game so a lot of it i think has been their ability to to get things figured out and you know, that night certainly looked out of sorts, and they were playing uh, one true defensive lineman. Though they uh, organize these, they view these things differently. And it's not just a static position thing. Shout out Matt Lafleur, um, but they didn't have as many big bodies up front that night, and they figured out ways to make that work. I think in part because players like Jordan Hicks have been in the right spots, doing the right things, taking on blockers at the right angles, being able to force plays where they want them to go, where they have help to deal with them. So, um, yeah, it is certainly a loss for that reason and all the other ones we've discussed. But they've already shown this season you can just bring in anybody and it's fine. Like Dobbs, Akers. Um, I mean, kind of. Dalton Reisner. Yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah, just bring anybody. They'll be fine. I mean, they, there has been a little bit of that. I, I think if anybody is sort of reacting like, well, this, they'll, they'll roll with it. They roll with everything else. It's like. Yeah, they kind of have. I mean, <laughs> yeah, DJ Wanham. They lose Marcus Davenport, yeah. and Wanham's kind of come on. And, and Justin Jefferson. 
Yeah, lose him. Um, five and zero. Oh, who needs him? Right? They didn't yeah. need to sign him to a big deal. Ewing theory. Five and zero oh without him. Um, the Vikings head to Denver for Sunday night's game against another uh, on fire team in the Denver Broncos. They go from allowing seventy points and being one of the worst defenses. What's uh, the question? I hear it was embarrassingly bad. What's the question? <laughs> Um, that uh, I hear, yeah, embarrassingly bad to being a decent defense, beating Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, beating the Buffalo Bills uh, on Monday night, in part because of a 12 men on the field penalty. But Russell Wilson looks serviceable. He, the touchdown he threw to Cortland Sutton looked like he wasn't yeah. trying to throw it to him. It was a heck of a play. But it was a heck of a play because he evaded the rush like vintage Russell Wilson. And he looks slimmer he looks more mobile again he he's not making as many boneheaded uh decisions i think he's only got like four or five picks on the year um this game setting up for the vikings looks a lot more difficult than we would have thought maybe a month ago yeah i agree i mean and vintage russell wilson not that he's going to be quite to this degree but vintage russell wilson gave them headaches like few other people did they ever beat him they beat him once that's right they finally beat him right at the end the 2021 season opener there was another famous question after the victory against the the seahawks because it was i think it was mike zimmer's last year here wasn't it yes it was it was their first win that season it was ct's famous question of mike you hadn't beat him in so long he started rattling off all the stats about the losing streak against the seahawks and mike cut him off and basically i don't think he said what's the question but he said like say the question yeah something to that effect it was like before the the sean payton thing ever happened that happened with zimmer regarding russell wilson yeah seahawks Yes, because they had lost to him. Well, we could just go through it. Like six, to- like six times, right? Well, like- they're 2015. They got smoked at home, and they went out to Arizona that Thursday night. Then the, the Blair Walsh playoff game. They got smoked at home by the Seahawks and then went out to Arizona right. the Thursday after that where Zimmer didn't get his cheeseburgers. Um, then there was the Blair Walsh game. There was uh, all the trips out to Seattle. The 18 where they almost got shut out. We came this close to being able to run the headline scoreless in Seattle. But we couldn't because they scored late. Um, DiFilippo got fired on the way home. Then 19, they lost in a shootout there, I believe. And then 20 was the um, Alexander Madison didn't bounce the run outside. They get stopped in the fourth down. Wilson takes them downfield like 90 yards with no timeouts. Hits DK Metcalf. Beats Cam Dantzler. Harrison Smith. Uh telling Cam Dantzler in so many words to cover his guy, as was uh, shown on the NBC Sunday night camera. Lip reading was not difficult on that one. So they lost all of those, and then 21, they finally beat him. There was also losses, I believe, in 12. That was the game where Percy Harvin started yelling at Leslie Frazier on the sideline. And then I think there was one in 13 that got beat out there as well. So I believe they were six losses to him before they finally beat him. There was a game where, like, I, I can't remember if it was Marshawn Lynch or somebody ran for, like, a billion yards on him, and they just couldn't stop him. Maybe that was many games. I don't know. Yeah, could, it was probably could, 12 or 13. They couldn't beat the Seahawks or Russell Wilson for a long time. And you're right, Andrew. They always point, had to go out there, too. To your point, Andrew, like, this Denver game, when we looked at, like, oh, like, the schedule coming up, this big soft stretch, like, this is not as easy of a game by far as, as it looked before. Yeah, it's not. And, and I think – large part has to do with what Denver's kind of found in terms of their offensive identity. There's suddenly a running and play action team, like what Russell Wilson did with Marshawn Lynch and, and other backs in Seattle. Um, they're starting to take more out of the quarterback's hands and try to rely uh, on kind of more of a stable offense and not ask him to do so much. And I think that's helping their offense. And then defensively, they seem to just be playing that much better and, and allowing fewer points and yards. I don't know what exactly is going on there, but Throwing they're Mahomes and Josh Allen 
curveballs the last two weeks. Yeah, they're playing better. Vance Joseph has that group playing a lot better than allowing 70 points to the Miami Dolphins that they did back in September. So <clears throat> this is not going to be a cakewalk. And, and I think it's going to be one where the Vikings, I think Vikings fans kind of view it as a trap game a little bit and thinking that they could walk into this a road game, primetime Josh Dobbs and think, you know, is this uh, – is this going to turn back into a pumpkin, I guess? Yeah. I mean, they could be walking into their own prison. <laughs> um, but anyway. It's a Creed song. Yeah. I actually, I actually did not know that. I need to get brushed up on the Scott Stapp catalog. You don't, but I was <laughs> in high school in the late 1990s. It was kind of unavoidable. Um, all right. Well, with this game, um, we should also mention that the Vikings might have three quarterbacks available. Josh Dobbs will still be the starter, obviously, but – Nick Mullins' uh, practice window opened up. He's returning this week to practice. They'll judge from there whether or not he can play uh, and be the backup. But it's quite the turn that we've taken where Josh Dobbs arrives two weeks ago and Nick Mullins is coming back and there's no question of who's starting Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you think about this whole turn of events. The reason Jaron Hall gets a chance is because Nick Mullins gets hurt before Kirk Cousins. The reason Josh Dobbs gets a chance is because they had to trade for him in the first place because Nick Mullins was hurt, and then Jaron Hall gets hurt, and now Josh Dobbs is the guy that's going to be able to run with the job for the foreseeable future. I, I think for early on, I kind of thought, well, may the best man win, but right now, it's Josh Dobbs' job Josh, without any that question about it. Three times. Josh Dobbs' job. I'm not going to try it three times. Um but yeah, now there's sort of this thing where Mullins is back to the backup and Hall, I would think, goes back to being the emergency quarterback because it's Josh Dobbs' job. It's and not that hard. You could do it. Josh Dobbs' job. Josh Sean, Dobbs' job. Josh Dobbs' job. And, Sean, fine. and Sean Mannion I could have done five. Three is fine. being Sean Mannion and Tanner Morgan is... Yeah. <laughs> Tanner Morgan's like fifth string now. Tanner Sorry, Morgan, Morgan is uh, back at the U trying to beat anybody. Josh Dobbs' first two games with the Vikings are two of the top 25 games in total QBR this entire season. For the entire league? Yes. Wow. Yes. They're both like around 88. Man. It's like Cousins – it's kind of funny. Cousins' game against the Packers was like top – is like top 10. But like everybody – like so they've like three weeks in a row of like top 25 total QBR play. So they basically have had elite-level quarterback play for – the the better part of a month. I mean, because yeah. the, the fourth one in there was him throwing for like 380 against the 49ers yeah. on Monday night. So, yes. um, yeah, basically it goes back to the Chicago game. They weren't that great there. No. but Spanning uh, three different quarterbacks. Spanning three different quarterbacks, And yeah. Hall was actually – Hall was playing well before he yeah. got hurt too. So. Yeah. Not maybe not elite. One constant there is Scott Stepp. That is the one constant. Uh, it is remarkable what, what Josh Dobbs has done here and what he's been able to do with an offense that he just joined uh, after joining an offense in Arizona and doing what he did there, even though they were 1-7. and seven. I don't think anybody would argue that this is the best offense Dobbs has been a part of, both coaching-wise, skill talent-wise, and all of those things. Uh, it also seems like his arrival is going to help them fix a run game that has been just uh, awful all year. Um, I, we heard linemen like Garrett Bradbury talk after the, the Saints game about how 
Josh's mobility changes the pass rush. They can't stunt and twist as much. They have to run more straight up and respect the fact that he could come out of any lane or, you know, escape wherever. Um, but with the run game, you're seeing them how you know, use it to try to hold defensive ends on the backside, clear running lanes for Ty Chandler or Alex Madison um, with this zone read that they implemented. I do wonder how much they're going to use it, yeah. considering you don't want to get the quarterback hurt. Um, but what do you think in general, Ben, that this backfield is going to look like with Alexander Madison and the concussion protocol and Ty Chandler, who could have had two touchdowns, had one not been called back? Well, I think Chandler will get more of a chance. I, I think they like him better than Kene Wongwu as a member of the running game. So I certainly think if Madison is out, Chandler gets a bigger opportunity Sunday night. I am interested, too, to see how this sort of evolves on a conceptual level. Because I asked O'Connell about this the other day in terms of how much they want to run Dobbs. And he's like, well, it'd be easy if we just said we're going to go back and run it all the time. But philosophically, they believe very strongly in the idea that we have to make make our run plays look like our pass plays. He, you, know, hear, you hear him talk all the time about marrying the run and the pass. And some of the things that you would do with Dobbs if you just let him kind of go do his thing – would be hard to marry pass looks off of. I mean, you can do it. Obviously, the Eagles do it all the time. You put RPOs in there and all that kind of stuff, but that's an off-season thing. You can't do that at this point. If Josh Dobbs is the quarterback next year, I fully expect they will have some of those things in their offense. There's only so much of it you can do right now. Obviously, he can play off schedule and do all that stuff as much as he wants, but within the structure of the play, I think there's only so much they want to do. And there are also, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the, like, the mic'd up clip it's kind of made the rounds on social media this week of Dobbs running for that touchdown on Sunday. They had O'Connell and O'Connell is just like, I don't know what just happened. I mean, they had him. He's like, he was pointing and I don't even know what he did. And I, it seemed like if I were to guess that the head coach maybe would have wanted him to throw the ball to somebody there. Um, trying to, I think most of it was covered if I recall on that play. Because I think the Saints were in a cover two and, and kind of locked up most things. But, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of like, well, this is a good thing. We're glad we have it, but let's not turn him into Lamar Jackson. You guys realize, though, that I'm like one more good Josh Dobbs game away from like doing a 2,000-word blog post relitigating fourth and eight. I figured relitigating something with Cousins, but I didn't know it was that. Fourth and eight. I don't know what to make of uh, – this this running game for the Vikings, though, because it is going to be important. And it, it, you're not going to get three straight weeks of top 10 QBR play or top 25. My point is, like, it, whether it was his run that left O'Connell speechless and literally doing the thing where his palms are to the sky, like, it's I don't... like a Jordan... Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't I know how he did that. Blazers kind of looking thing. at magic. Um, whether it's that or it's, it's some of these completions he's doing, he's making remarkable plays right now, playing with, you know, uh, like, lights out. And it's it's incredibly remarkable to see. I, excuse me. I just think that this is going to have to come back to earth at some point and that they're going to have to find some kind of balance on this offense. And I do wonder if Ty Chandler could be some kind of answer to that. A guy who, as we've heard from coaches, has been incredibly young and needing those reps to develop and might not be entirely reliable, but the speed is there. Like, yeah, certainly He's is. one of their fastest players. And if they're not going to get Kane involved, you got to find that speed elsewhere. Yeah, they just they need somebody that can turn a hole into 14, 16 yards every once in a while. It doesn't just need to be six or seven. I mean, somebody that can hit one and turn it into a chunk play, 
they have not had a lot of that this year. And I know that that was the thing everybody said they would lose without Dalvin Cook. I don't. We don't have any evidence that Dalvin Cook is doing that for his current team he's this not. year. He's not. <laughs> um, we have not seen him able to do it, so we'll see if any of that comes back to him. I don't know that it will, but they they made this change knowing that this was going to be one of the things they were giving up. I think they thought Madison would be better at getting them four, five, six yards at a time, and instead it's been not able to do that very often. You're not getting any of the big plays. So I think if Chandler has opportunities to show that he can get to the second level every once in a while and either make somebody miss or outrun somebody, that's an element of this offense they certainly need. Nobody allows more uh, rushing yards and receiving yards combined to running backs than the Denver Broncos. So it is relevant this week. Uh, even if Alexander Madison is out, I expect Ty Chandler to have a big role in this game as they try to find some kind of run game and establish that. And, and um, Because you know Denver on the other side is going to be doing the exact same with Javante Williams, um, Samaj P. Ryan. They've got some running backs that they'll trot out there and just continue to hand off and, and try to grind the game away. And without Jordan Hicks in this game, without Marcus Davenport in this game, I do think the Vikings are going to struggle um, at times to defend the run as well as they have against I know Alvin Kamara's name is nice, but that Saints offense has not been that great this year. Uh, and frankly, the Packers, as we know, have not either. So I liked what they did against San Francisco. They're going to need to replicate some of that, I think, um, against Denver because we just saw them do it against Kansas City, against Buffalo. This is a better team. So, Mike, what do you think happens on Sunday? We've talked about it for like two or three weeks in a row. Like You can't pick against this team until proven otherwise, right? They're on some kind of like – weird heater five wins in a row without justin jefferson two without cousins like you don't you don't suggest they're going to lose until it happens i think it's a it's a harder matchup than we thought it was going to be i think the things you point out are good i think the loss of hicks is notable i just you know you don't don't pick against it until it goes away so i would say they it's it's going to be close right it always is like even last week it was like ah, oh, they're finally running away with one then it comes down to a hail mary at the end and two Jameis Winston interceptions. Just um, one easy one to write. It's going to be, nice. be like night game would be great gonna, for that. It's going to be in the low twenties and no more than four points separating each team. I think the Vikings probably win though, like twenty four twenty. Yeah, I, I for a lot of the same reasons, I'm going to pick them. It's hard to think that they're not going to be able to find a way when the number of challenges they faced and and met to this point would seem just as difficult as this one, if not more difficult, certainly in the case of the 49ers. I think the thing, I mean, Buffalo turned the ball over a lot on Monday night, and the Vikings can't go back to the turnover issues they had at the beginning of the season. I think that'll be a big piece of this. I'm curious to see how it goes with Jefferson this week. My hunch would be that they would wait um, and give him at least one more, uh, if not two, before the before the bye, but... Um, if he's back, that adds another component to this whole thing as well. But um, I think with or without him in there, it will be difficult because Denver is playing better. But I do think they win it close in one that I'm having to rip to shreds um, right before I need to file it. I think it could be a big Ty Chandler game, as you just heard me talk about. I think it could be a, a game where they do find uh, some contributors that they haven't been finding you know, recently, whether it is him or 
Jalen Naylor finally getting more involved if K.J. Osborne does not come back. The other injury to watch with this one is a Caleb Evans dealing with a calf strain. Yeah. Uh, if he can't play and they're starting Makai Blackman or – I mean, Josh Metellus is already going to have to to play more in the middle theoretically without Hicks. So what are you going to do there in the slot? Does that put more of your younger defensive backs on the field? Um, that could be a problem against Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton if Russell Wilson is uh, Mr. Unlimited on Sunday night <laughs> instead of Mr. Limited. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think if a Caleb Evans does not play, it's going to be even more difficult. But how do you, as you guys said, how do you pick against this Vikings team, the magic of Kevin O'Connell and Josh Dobbs? Um, I think they keep rolling on prime time, and I think we're going to be hearing Creed uh, from the Vikings locker room again, Ben. I think we will. Um, Kirk Cousins was quick to point out yesterday that uh, this has maybe been the secret sauce of the whole thing. 